You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Yeah, to me, it's an instrument that can sound really heavy. Uh, like, you can put a lot of energy into it because it all comes from your breath. And uh, if you're <laughs> if you're really pushing hard, the sound that come out of the instrument can be pretty intense. And I think that fits metal pretty well. And so I think that's the first reason. Um, besides that, I think since we are doing like a progier side of metal, it's been really common basically to, to try to find new sonorities and stuff like that. And saxophone is just one way to to achieve that. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Hope you've been having a glorious week. I most certainly have been. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there is someone in your life, someone that you first discovered metal with, first off, you should write them and let them know how much you miss them and how much they mean to you. But you should also let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 300 episodes with some of the world's best metal musicians available on all podcast platforms for them to discover. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now today on the podcast, I'm with Vince Wilke of Fractal Universe. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 333. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Vince Wilke of Fractal Universe. Uh, Vince, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What about you? I'm doing great. It's, it's, it's you know, it's cold. We're, we're, I live in Canada, in Montreal, and it's that time of the year when uh, it gets really cold. But uh, that's okay, because we can still hang out and talk about life, metal, and craft beer, and that makes me very, very happy. Uh, let's jump straight into the meat of things. I like to start off with the shittiest question first. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious years of 2020 and 20? 2021 and hopefully not 2022 how did you cope <laughs> yeah. with this beautiful pandemic that just won't go away yeah we've been trying our best to remain busy i mean we released an album in last june mm -hmm. which we recorded during the pandemic and all of that stuff so i guess we managed to do the best out of it and also we started the twitch channel and streamed a little bit over there and have written a couple couple of, of new songs already so yeah trying to do the best out of things but uh What's missing is really tours and uh, and more shows, for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's a big part of our lives yeah, to 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 be able to have the yin and the yang. That's what I loved about my life prior to the pandemic was I would go on tour, and I would love being on tour, and then I would miss being at home, and then I'd come home, and then enjoy being at home, and then miss being on tour. That yin and yang of my lifestyle is, is really upside down. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely something missing. Uh, as you said, <laughs> it's a big part of our lives. And uh, just the contact with the fans and all of that and the, the adrenaline that you get from shows, there's nothing really that can replace that. So Absolutely not. Uh, I call that uh, filling the void, Yeah, <laughs> which we'll get to later. <laughs> Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. Now, what are you going to be drinking today that we're going to be sharing virtually? Uh, I'm going to drink a green mint tea for today. 
Hell yes. Healthy. Love it. Antioxidants. Good for you. Uh, I will not be drinking tea today. I will be drinking a beer and it's bloody cold, as I mentioned here in Montreal. So I'm going to be drinking uh, something completely different and completely opposite of that. This is from La Gabiaire. This is their Tiki Sour uh, Cassis. Uh, it has uh, Cassis is currants, black currants. Uh, it's, so it's a sour beer with black currants in it. Uh, 6% uh, La Gabiaire uh, make a bunch of uh, very cool beer here in Quebec. And uh, this one is uh, a wacky sour. And they actually sent me a glassware to go with it and i typically don't do that but because it's so cold today i thought it'd be funny to actually use the glass for that someone sets me for it so i'm gonna pour this out and while i pour this out i would love to hear about um your very first beer do you remember the first beer that you ever drank vince uh, i'm not sure i think it was like at the show when i was like uh, 12 or something I, a show i attended in a nearby village and uh yeah, we were just, uh, let, let's try that. It sounds interesting. And I remember I didn't really like it at first. I pretended I did because, yeah, you have to be cool. <laughs> but I really didn't like the taste at first. <laughs> we all tend to do that. Hey, that first, I remember my first beer too. And I remember taking so long to finish. You know what I mean? Nowadays, it's, it just disappears. But those, that first beer, you hold it till it gets warm. And then if it's warm... Typically, we buy shitty beer when we start, too. It's not craft beer or, like, fancy beer such as this one, something that, you know, has a fruit flavoring to it. Uh, it, uh, as it. As it gets warmer, it tastes even more horrible. So this is a, gl- a ridiculous glassware that they sent me, which is basically like a... Uh, it's like a tiki uh, Hawaiian style um, face. It's, it's sort of ridiculous, but here we go. Cheers. And I also brought the last beer I drank since I'm not drinking oh, one cool. today. Go, go for it, yeah. This is a Belgian yeah. Abbey Ale, which is pretty strong. It's like 10 degrees, but it was pretty good. I'm usually not a big fan of stronger beers, but uh, this one, I must say, was, was really tasty. And it was offered to me by a student of mine, so a nice present for Christmas. I love that. Uh, love those presents and keep them coming, people. Uh, we love beer and uh, it's the best, best present, honestly. <laughs> This is tart. Um, it's uh, the black currants are very subtle, just lightly sweet, um, very smooth. Six percent goes down really nice. The color is gorgeous, uh, like a deep red, leaning towards the purple. Gorgeous, Lagabiao, killing it as always. Um, let's jump into craft beer. At what point did you realize, or did you ever realize, that beer could be more than that first beer that you had at that concert? Uh, that beer could be something that can be enjoyable. I don't know. I think it happened over time. Then I think when you are growing up, beer is more like um, something for parties and stuff like that. And then it really takes time to, to learn how to enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not like the biggest specialist on beers and stuff like that, but I still enjoy it for, for, for its merits. Like I, I usually drink IPAs and stuff like that. Love it. Um, let's talk about the craft beer scene in France. Has it, has it blown up? You're talking about drinking IPAs which is something that when I have toured, I guess the last time I went through Europe was in 20, 2019 with Ingested. Uh, I don't remember really stumbling onto many craft beers in France. Uh, has it taken off since then? I wouldn't really be sure about that. I know we have a lot of Belgian ale. I think there are a lot more into that stuff. And since I live very close to the Belgian border, usually it's what you find in shop here. But uh, yeah, I think France might be catching up a little bit on that. Good. It's it's spreading like the plague, but it's the plague that we want as opposed to the one that we currently have. <laughs> I would love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control? 
of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to uh, a lot of rock music i think i grew up listening to bands like deep purple frank zappa led zeppelin stuff like that and i think that's what got me into music and, and into the guitar more specifically mm. but i remember always having that kind of music in the background very very interesting uh what drove you to the guitar first what would have been that just just hanging out and listening to yeah yeah because as far as i can remember i've always pictured myself like with long hair and a guitar in my hands and rocking out and uh it i love took that. me some time to to really get to, to the practice side of things but uh, i think that was already already at the back of my head somehow how old were you when you got the first guitar uh the first real guitar because i had one before that had like three strings and i was just uh, toying okay. around the okay. first one yeah, i yeah. think i was nine when i first had my first really? acoustic guitar and took my first lesson and then lessons right away and then how strictly did you adhere to a practice schedule uh was it something that was fun for you something that you did on your own or was it more of a chore that your parents were like no no we're paying for these lessons you have to practice uh I, actually i was pretty lazy in the beginning <laughs> i must admit that <laughs> and uh, my parents didn't want to force me into to doing anything so they just tried to motivate me and like giving me uh some some goals like you'll be able to play this song and stuff like that but uh it took me some time i think when i was 11 or 12 i really got into practice when i discovered stuff like metallica and stuff like that and then I, I suddenly I realized I want to play this song. Okay, I have to work for it. What would be the band? And is it Metallica? I'm curious if it is uh, that you brought into the house that exposed you your first love that you brought into the house, and all of a sudden you're blasting your parents with your music. Uh, hard to say because Metallica I think was introduced to me by my uncle because he listened to a lot of love it. metal bands, also like Dream Theater and stuff like that. Hmm. But I think the first band I rediscovered by myself and that changed me as a musician is Death. Uh, I immediately fell in love with it. I've never heard anything like that before. I was mostly listening to, to heavy or thrash metal. But uh, yeah, I bought a Death CD by accident, actually, uh, because I didn't really know the band. I, um, I liked the cover. I decided, yeah, let's give it a try. And, which, al which album uh, was it? Which Thought Patterns. It's still my favorite one. Amazing. Today. Yeah, amazing. Did you, when you listen to it now, can you um, reimagine yourself hearing it for those first times? Yeah, I've pretty a lot of memories uh, i remember mm. listening to you to it a lot on the school bus or uh, to on school exactly. trips and stuff like that so i have these memories that come to mind still now it's weird eh, how music can just transpose us immediately back to a period of our life it's like a it's this weird i have a, the exact same story except it's not with death but it's with corn because i was a new metal child there there's a specific song at the near the end of the record i can't i think it's predictable it's called and it whenever it starts i remember leaving i was in a bad mood for some reason in high school and i remember leaving it was winter and walking out of my high school and just feeling so depressed and listening to that song and it's just resonating with me for some reason and if i hear it again <laughs> like today right back to that spot interesting how music has that power now we can just hope that that we're giving that gift to to someone else <laughs> with our music <laughs> because yeah i remember how strongly I, I i could feel in these moments and if only one person in the world can feel like that because of my music that's amazing i think <laughs> it's 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 we're, we're truly very lucky uh, <laughs> let's talk about um your first shows do you remember the first show that you went to go see uh probably there were some prior to that but i remember seeing deep purple when i was uh 10 deep purple again and uh yeah that was my first like big show uh, in, in, in a huge, uh, huge venue and stuff like that. And 
it was absolutely amazing. I still have the poster from uh, from that show. Really? <laughs> what was that feeling? Did you remember standing there, the smells? That's another thing that we can transpose back to these um, influential moments. Was there were, was there like a moment when you're standing? And again, with me, it was corn. Uh, they came through with uh, incubus an orgy and i remember just being like first off i was terrified because I, I was a very sheltered child <laughs> here i was alone with my friends from high school at at a big show and new metal was sort of people were freaky they were <laughs> it was the oddball people being there and i remember being scared but very very excited do, do you remember you, what your first impressions were at that show? I think I was pretty excited because, yeah, this was one of my favorite bands since uh, long before that. And uh, finally being able to see them live and stuff like that, I just felt excitement. Uh, no fear at all, like you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I, you know, like in a mosh pit for the first time, all these things. And <laughs> I, was, I, <laughs> I was a very sheltered child, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> how about your first time on stage do you remember your first time performing yeah uh actually it was at a um, at a school concert i was just playing with a, mm. a friend of mine who played drums and we prepared like a, i think 10 10 ish songs ranging from like a green day to metallica really and uh yeah it, it was pretty pretty cool because uh, that was before that, I wasn't. Uh, I was a very shy child and uh, didn't have a lot of friends. But suddenly, people realized, yeah, oh, this guy is a musician. How cool is that? And uh, I got a lot of new friends after that show. So, uh, <laughs> pretty fun, fun memories after that gig. It's funny how that happens. That everyone wants to be friends with the musician. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, he can come to our camping trip and play guitar around the fire." <laughs> <laughs> were you prepared enough for that show did you feel prepared were you guys ready to play uh, it it was all right i think i've watched some video footage uh i think one or two really? years back from that show does it exist online uh, no <laughs> no it's like on a, <laughs> on, on a tape so somewhere at my place but uh yeah, yeah i think yeah. for my age i was uh, 13 i think i was quite happy <laughs> with how it sounded I love that. At what point did the saxophone come into your life? Very late. Actually, I've only been playing it for two really? years now. So, um, yeah, it's something I had it at the back of my head for a long time. I always loved the instrument since I'm also like a big jazz fusion guy. Hmm. Uh, and so saxophone was like a natural choice for me to, to start. And uh, actually, when I got my, uh, my home, my house that I live in now, uh, I built a little studio that can, you can see behind. And that was the first time where I felt like confident to make loud noises in a loud instrument like saxophone. And uh, I decided, yeah, perfect timing to start. Uh, how horrible was it at first? Uh, I, must, I must say it was, it was mostly fun because I, um, <laughs> I, I've been playing the guitar for seven, hmm. 17 years now. And so with the saxophone, I could really enjoy playing like just a simple melody and, uh, and stuff like that. Okay. So uh, <laughs> perhaps it, it was horrible <laughs> to listen to, but it was like fun, <laughs> having fun with, uh, with like super easy stuff, playing a simple melody, a video game melody, whatever, <laughs> just having fun. What, what would be the hardest thing starting the saxophone? What's the biggest thing that you have to, like basically like when it comes to a guitar player, the hardest thing that you have to get through is uh, to build up the calluses on your fingers is, is probably 
the biggest obstacle for anyone that's learning guitar? What would be the, that equivalent to learning saxophone? Yeah, I think you you have some kind of aches in the mouth as well because of the the mouthpiece and stuff like that. So that takes really? some time, okay. and you can really feel like your your facial muscles getting really tired, mm. and uh, you have to, <laughs> to to really work on that. But apart apart from that, that's I think it was pretty easy because uh, you don't feel pain in the fingers like on the guitar and stuff like that. So. <laughs> That's very cool. We'll come back to saxophone in a bit, but I want to talk about <laughs> the impassable horizon that came out uh, back in June, June 25th, uh, via Metal Blade Records. Uh, massive record, killer record. I, I listened to it again this morning. It was just so damn good. Progressive, uh, catchy, heavy, really, really very excellent. I loved it. Um, how did you feel about dropping a record during a pandemic, though, where you couldn't really promote it the way that you would have if there wasn't a pandemic yeah uh, actually we were lucky enough because we managed to play a release show in our hometown oh, for cool. a, a lot of our friends and fans so that was something and after that we did a live stream show and still two festivals uh in september and october so we didn't have nothing planned but um apart from that i think we tried our best to 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 make like video content and stuff like that because we weren't able to to do a tour like we did with the last record and stuff like that. So uh -huh. we didn't want to wait longer for it to drop. So we just had to go for it. And I think it went out pretty well. Again, we tried our best uh -huh. to, to, to deal with the situation. And uh, yeah. I really think that like by the time June of 2021 came around, the world had sort of like accepted and realized that this is the state of the world i think like the first i'm thinking of like bands like testament black dahlia murder they all dropped uh records right in like march 2020 and i think that a lot of records were forgotten because of the state of the world and people were just so in a panic frenzy that they they didn't really uh enjoy albums the way that they did later on in the pandemic so i think that you guys were lucky there yeah i think still these records that were released like in the very early days of the pandemic i think people had a lot of time to listen to music in these days so maybe that's that's something i don't know it's hard to say that's true plus you guys are writing new material you were saying already so i guess you guys were just like we got to get this out we can't just sit on this record for another year when you're already composing the next record yeah definitely and uh yeah we want to keep our our rhythm of one record every two years so uh yeah i think this is uh this had to be released and we're wow. lucky that we did it. one record every two years what, what, what's the mindset behind that well i think he in in modern days you have to 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 remain active and uh keep releasing songs and that's a, a tough goal i think but uh for now it has worked <laughs> since the beginning and <laughs> the next one i think will still be out uh, in two years from the previous one wow. we'll see how that continues that's that's very ambitious that's and, and your music is not it's not square it's not simple so you guys must um work hard all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> with touring too in, in a in an ideal situation you guys would be touring as well so how do you fit the time in or what is the the work ethic that has to go into putting an album out every two years well yeah we spend a lot of time working on the band working on our instruments and that's made easier because uh, every single one of us in the band is a music teacher we teach our instruments uh. so basically we all we are always in contact with uh, with the guitar drums and stuff like that and that definitely helps to to also arrange a schedule like we want it. Because, for example, I'm a, 
uh, an independent uh, teacher, so I can basically do my lessons whenever I want and take time off for tours for writing stuff or recording. And uh, I think that's what makes it easier. But we are basically doing music full time, so that is absolutely true and and that's very cool at what point did you start teaching guitar to people uh actually i started teaching some friends of mine and some people at school when i was 14 <laughs> some some stuff like that really it wasn't really good and it was just like one or but you were better than everyone else <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah that's how i got a, a hand on it and and, and uh, after uh, high school i went to a music college for a year called the uh, music academy international in france and uh, that was a year only. And after that, I started teaching like full time or at least looking for students to teach full time. What is um, the moment? Or, or I have a few questions about teaching. Uh, what um, is the hardest thing teaching people guitar? What, what is some of the biggest obstacles to get? A- mm, you have to I think you have to understand how everybody's mind works because everybody understands differently. Everybody has different strengths, different weaknesses, and you have to find the best way to, uh, to, to teach them something. And uh, I find it most difficult with people like children, mostly that don't really know why they are there, basically. The parents send them, <laughs> and that's hard. <laughs> Apart from that, I usually can... <laughs> when people know what they want to play on the guitar, it's cool. <laughs> I could imagine so. Uh, at what point, or has it happened, uh, that your students just become too good for you? Uh, I don't think it has happened yet. I have some pretty talented oh. students, uh, some of which we are playing like Fractal Universe tunes and stuff like that, so that's a lot of fun. But I don't think I've ever come to the situation where I, I thought, yeah, this one is too good for me. Um, <laughs> I've helped you, you know, like a grasshopper. You have surpassed me. Uh, you, you must move out of the dojo type. <laughs> no, but it sometimes can feel a little bit scary when someone walks in and already plays like super good and you're like, what can I teach him? But then you realize that <laughs> there's still stuff you can do, stuff he doesn't mm-hmm. know or, or an approach you can give him, something different. I think there's always some benefit uh, by taking lessons with, uh, with someone, even if he's not like a lot, lot better than you are. Mm, but you also seem like someone that's also trying to learn all the time. Yeah, definitely. I'm really passionate about music theory and uh, harmony, stuff like that. And I'm constantly pra- playing music like saxophone, guitar, vocals. Uh, it's always a part of my day. So I'm always curious to learn. It's like, stuff. yeah, let, let's just start playing saxophone. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> who does that you do that i think that's so cool <laughs> back to the record um you didn't really get to do it uh you do have a cool tour coming up in the fall with Evergrey. uh but um if you could pick a tour like a perfect package where you're in control you can pick all the bands i'm thinking of like a four band package including yourself so you have to choose three bands that would help put fractal universe in front of the perfect crowd so that when people walk out of that show at the end of the night they are now fractal universe fans (laughs) that's tough because i don't know if these bands would fit together uh (laughs) on the bill cult of lunum does eclectic tour packages and i love that i think one band would be opeth because Mm -hmm. it's really one of my favorite bands especially in, in later years and I think they kind of have the same, especially in their prog metal, prog death metal days, the same vibe, like mixing very soft with very heavy parts. And that's something 
we love to do as but, well. But sounding like the same band, I think that's so, so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say it all the time on the podcast. I, there's all these bands and I'm not going to name them, but it sounds like they're flipping a switch and like, oh, we're the clean band now. Oh, and now we're the <laughs> yeah, heavy yeah. band. But I feel like you guys really have an identity uh, in both. Thank you. So Opeth would be like a dream, I think. Then maybe a band like Gojira would be a very good fit as uh -huh. well, because I think they really helped the French metal scene overall to to get more noticed and stuff like that and apart from that i think we did we told with obscura that was one of our big goals yes. already like uh one of the bands i was absolutely into when they released cosmogenesis and omnivium so that huh. was a dream come true and uh maybe that would well, be the, the fourth man on the package doing another tour with them <laughs> that would be actually a really cool tour that would be eclectic but yet it all fits together nicely i think it'd be massive Opeth, Gojira, Obscura, Fractal Universe. Love it. <laughs> but that, again, there are so many others that we could pick. And uh, yeah. That is a question that I like to throw at people, especially since it's been out since June. Um, is there something about the impassable horizon that you would love to change? If you can go back in time and change something about the record, what would it be? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I'm still pretty happy with most of it, I think, like the compositions, the production turned out great. The recording process was really good. So uh, I don't think I've enough. I've had enough time to 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 really get over it and uh, and think of things we would like to change. Uh, really tough question. <laughs> just just being able to to tour more, to release it in a different context, you know, stuff like that. But still, we are pretty happy with uh, <laughs> with the context we released it in. Is there a funny recording story, something, a silly thing that happened while you were recording the record that you could share? Actually, the recording was pretty, pretty boring because for the first time we recorded it at home, <laughs> uh, like um, okay, in yeah, our yeah. home studio. So, uh, <laughs> so it was just not very exciting. I tracked the guitars and vocals at my place, and uh, I was all alone while doing it so i don't remember really anything funny so that did, i would have i love why i record with chris donaldson who's cryptopsy's guitarist so and i have been recording with him for since probably 2007 2005 probably and i would have a hard time tracking vocals by myself i, I like to have someone else be there to like give me the oh yeah that was good for some reason, I need that. Like, I know when it's bad, but to really have someone give me the seal of approval, especially when it's Chris's, I know that that was the take. So uh, how did you go about finding the takes for yourself? Yeah, actually, for me, it's quite the opposite. I, am. I tend to get quite nervous, especially for vocals when people are around in the studio. Uh, and so I think it really liberated me and I was able to do as many takes as I wanted and to take the time to listen back to it. And since we were in the pandemic when we recorded, I had more time than we usually have. And uh, I think I, I really liked it that way. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's very free and good for you. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hobsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death 
alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. You mentioned that you guys started a Twitch channel. Uh, to connect with your fans. Uh, talk to me about that. Were you doing Twitch before the, or did you really just start it during the pandemic as a way to connect with your fans? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Actually, we were looking for ways to connect with people. We came home from the tour of Obscura and two weeks later we were in complete lockdown in France. So that was a pretty rough uh, transition. And that's when we decided, yeah, let's try something on Twitch. And uh, it's been really fun because we have been playing like some Fractal Universe sets all at our own places. Like, uh, uh, also, I've been doing some impro sessions on the saxophone and the guitar. And lately, we've been starting to invite some guests over to uh, to our channel. We've had uh, Sam Valen from Caligula's Horse, Max Fuss from Exist, and we're going to have a new one in a couple of weeks as well. So that's pretty cool as well. I think it's very diverse what we try to offer. And uh, I think people enjoyed it and uh, we did as well. It is one like silver lining of the pandemic happening at this time when technology is up to this level that we can do that. Because if we turn back, if the pandemic happened during the 90s, it would have really killed the music scene a lot more. It would have been next to impossible to connect with your fans the way that you guys have via Twitch and the way that I'm doing it through the podcast. Uh, It would be very difficult. Yeah, that's true. And uh I think, yeah, as as we discussed earlier, these records that came out during the pandemic also helped a lot of people. I remember listening to uh, to the new records, the new Black Dahlia Murder when it dropped. And uh, yeah, I think that was still important uh, for people to to have music and to have these live stream shows coming up and uh, all these podcasts that started emerging like you're doing. And uh, I think that's people needed that and uh, the artists need that as well. And uh, I think everybody found something in it. (laughs) that's one lucky thing that happened (laughs) Uh, back to the saxophone Uh, we're seeing a lot more of it Uh, do you think that there is a place obviously you do but defend your your statement (laughs) because there is some on your record Uh, saxophone and metal we're seeing a lot more of it Uh, is there a place for saxophone and metal Uh, what do you think about saxophone and metal yeah to me it's an instrument that can sound really heavy uh, like can put a lot of energy into it because it all comes from your breath and uh, if you're <laughs> if you're really pushing hard the sound that come out of the instrument can be pretty intense and i think that fits metal pretty well and uh absolutely bruce lamont does it very well <laughs> and so i think that's the first reason and um, besides that i think since we are doing like a proggier side of metal it's been really common basically to, to try to find new sonorities and stuff like that and saxophone is just one way to to achieve that and uh yeah i think it's cool that it's you that does the, the saxophone yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not like a, a guy that you brought in because we had some guests on the previous records and that's also how we realized that saxophone could sound really great on the record we had jorgen munkeby from shining that played on the first record oh shit and, uh, hugo's Sick. father or guitar player's father jean-marc florimont who played on the second record 
And so, uh, yeah, saxophone fitted our music. And when I started playing it, it was just natural for me to, to add it on the, on the album more and to add it on live shows as well. I think that's super cool. Uh, do you think that uh, you're eventually going to end up being lumped together with Rivers of Nile? Oh, well, that would be a, an amazing band to, to tour with, definitely. And um, I'm surprised you didn't say that before. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I love their, their record. We're also know my name. And really like the, the last one as well. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one band that manages to, to add the saxophone uh, pretty well and smoothly into the music. It's not forced at all. You could do like a sax tour. You get Yakuza, <laughs> Rivers of Nile, and Fractal Universe. And it, and it could be like a sax across, you know, something, <laughs> some, some pun with sax in it. Yeah, did you see them with the, the saxophone player live? I watched videos of them, but I have never... I toured with them, but it was before they released uh, Owl, where Owls Know My Name. Yeah. Okay, because I, I saw them, <laughs> I was lucky enough to see them on the tour with that the saxophone player around it. It was really great because I that really brought something new to the table and was something pretty unique. Sax across the globe. I'm still trying to think of this pun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you mentioned a bunch of stuff and I'm assuming that's what you did. Uh, something that was taken, we spoke about it right at the beginning. We're not being able to perform. Uh, it's such an important part of our lives. I'm very lucky that I have the podcast uh, right before I sit down here. I'm worried uh, if we're going to connect. Am I prepared enough? I get the same little butterflies in my stomach that I would typically get before jumping on stage. So this is how I've been filling the void of performing. How have you been filling the void? Yeah, kind of with the twitch. Actually, in the beginning, <laughs> it's exactly like you described. I have the same butterflies in the stomach like... Uh when going on stage and uh, I liked that. I was really pretending that this was a real show with a, a crowd like in front of me and uh, that was fun. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do these, these Twitch or, or live stream. I haven't done one, but I can only imagine I've spoken to a bunch of people that have to try to get that same energy across when it's not directly coming back to you. You're just like looking into a camera basically and trying to connect with people when there's nothing really coming back aside from just uh, messages coming up in that stream. I think it's really a good exercise and we tend to do that also when we rehearse for live shows, like doing uh, crowd interactions and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, I do that that's also yeah. kind, of, kind of the same <laughs> stuff. Uh, but yeah, you, you never completely get the, the feeling of a, of a live show, but, but it's really a good exercise to, to learn how to pretend the best. I guess one day we'll get so big that, uh, well, the, you know, the lights and the stage will be so big that we won't necessarily see the crowd anyways. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that happens sometimes when you have a lot of front lights, you can barely mm -hmm. see like yeah. the, the first two rows of the crowd, even in a small venue. So. <laughs> and that's okay. Everyone else is just standing there like this. But <laughs> uh, I love doing beer collabs i love making collabs i've released probably 35 of them so far since i started the podcast um if you could create a beer for fractal universe uh, what style would it be and what would you call it <laughs> what style well i would go something like ipa as i said this is basically what i would have loved to drink what would call it fractal something like that <laughs> that sounds cheesy but that's uh, not a bad idea <laughs> No, 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 but beer, beer names have to be a little bit cheesy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and then, pe and then you could sell glassware where it's the shape of a saxophone. <laughs> Pretty inconvenient, but would be cool. 
<laughs> and they have to drink from the the the, the mouthpiece. <laughs> I'll take 15%. But uh, <laughs> Vince, uh, we're already at the end. Uh, one last question. Classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often because uh, you're very busy teaching. You're very busy continually learning new music. You're recording. You're writing. You're on Twitch. You're a very, very busy musician. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone, especially if you enjoy too many of those 10% uh, Belgian beers. What is your hangover cure? actually trying to drink a lot of water <laughs> even during the evening even when I, I i drink a lot my number one rule is two glasses of water for every every glass of alcohol and that helps with the oh, okay 100 <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then i usually i try to maybe i go running on the day after just to to get get some some of this poison out of my body that that usually helps but it's not always easy the motivate, yes, yeah, so you have to get out the door is the issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have heard that. I've heard the, the water to, to beer. I've heard the running before. The problem with the water to beer is you spend the whole night in the bathroom. Yeah, but uh, I can deal with that if that <laughs> helps with the hamburger stuff. <laughs> That's definitely one small sacrifice. Wise words from Vince. Uh, Vince, thank you so, so much for taking the time hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about music, talking about craft beer. Uh, everyone, go and listen to The Impassable Horizon. You will not be disappointed. Vince, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a great, great conversation connecting with Vince. Uh, I love speaking to uh, musicians, and Vince is absolutely that. He is someone that loves to learn, uh, is uh, always striving to learn more, to uh, expand his musical reach, uh, and I think that is uh, super admirable, uh, and it shows because uh, Fractal Universe is a very diverse band and is uh, continually evolving, so... Massive cheers to Vince, and thank you so, so much for hanging out with me. I had an absolute blast. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive two emails a month letting you know exactly what has been going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see all the info for any episodes which I dropped recently. You will also get to see all the reviews that the Vox and Hops album review crew have done. You will get to see which bands Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. And you'll get to hear about any new projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. I'd hate for you to miss a single thing, so sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious weekend. I'll be back next week with one massive episode on Tuesday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. <laughs> It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? 
I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out. And stop listening to other podcasts.